Our podcast is brought to you today by Hard Rock All-Inclusive Resorts. Book a stay at the all-inclusive Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, Punta Cana, from July 2nd to July 6th. And on July 3rd, the Kids Bop Kids will be performing live in concert, followed by a meet and greet. Your stay will be jam-packed with daily activities where kids get to mingle with their favorite Kids Bop Kids with non-stop dance parties, pool parties, and more. For more information, visit hardrockhotelpuntacana.com and by Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is the touchscreen photo frame you can email photos to anytime from anywhere. It's the perfect Mother's Day gift. Everyone in your family can just email photos to Mom Skylight and they'll pop up in her home in seconds. It's a great way to feel close to those you love even when you're separated. And as a mom and a grandmom, I can tell you I love my Skylight frame. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code MEG. That's skylightframe.com with code MEG. For 30 plus years, I've seen every type of child grow up. Instead of giving me what I wanted, she gave me what I needed, which was truth. Don't let emotions win. Let truth win. Do your very best, and you should have a lot of fun while you do it. And the better you get at something, the more fun you're going to have at something. You moms and dads are wired with everything you need to be a parent to a great kid. Welcome to Parenting Great Kids. This is episode number 106, and I'm your host, Dr. Meg Meeker. Today, I have a fabulous guest. He's author and speaker, Steve Arterburn. Steve is the founder and chairman of New Life Ministries and host of the number one nationally syndicated Christian counseling talk show, New Life Live, heard and watched by 3 million people each day. He's a nationally and internationally known public speaker, and Steve has been featured in national media such as Oprah, Inside Edition, Good Morning America, CNN Live, and ABC World News Tonight. Steve is a best-selling author of books, Healing is a Choice, Toxic Faith, and Every Man's Battle, which is going to be the topic of our discussion today. As always, I will share my points to ponder so you can start using them right away. And friends, remember, please don't just download the episodes. Click subscribe because I want you to join my parenting revolution. And when you click subscribe, every new episode will automatically show up in your subscribe list. Also, the PGK podcast is on iTunes, Google Play Store, and Stitcher. So no matter where you get your podcast, subscribe today so you won't miss a single episode. I want you now to listen in on a conversation I had with Steve Arterburn. I know you're really going to enjoy it. Well, Steve, thank you so much for joining me today on Parenting Great Kids. I'm glad to be with you, and uh, it's been a while, and I love all the stuff that you do, and so I'm really glad to be with you. Well, thank you. Today we're going to talk about a tough topic. We're going to talk about um, pornography. Uh, sexual temptation, primarily in sons, though I know a lot of the women out there are going to be kind of thinking about their husbands in the back of their mind. Before we go into, you know, why sons are so tempted and why they're drawn to pornography, 
can you bring us into the mind of a teenage boy and or young man and what they're thinking about, what they're struggling with? Well, sure. You know, um, I think that it it would be, um, I mean, I don't really know of a good analogy for it, but in a, inside this brain and uh, surging throughout this young boy's uh, body are, are these new hormones that are, um, they're, they're doing something, they're creating, um, I think the simplest way to say is they're, they're creating a desire um, that is going to need, this desire needs to be restrained uh, for quite some time till they get married. And, and it, they're just waking up to this. Now, uh, that's in a normal child. If you're like me, uh, for some reason, my, um, my parents thought it would be okay for me to go into my grandfather's office uh, when I was four. His office had uh, the very first Playboy pen, pen, pen uh, fold-out, centerfold, uh, in his office. And I was exposed to pornography very early on. So uh, as a man or a little boy, you know this is forbidden. You know it isn't something that you're supposed to see. And so it creates um, a sensation in you. And if you are a, just a normal teenager and you have access to this uh, normal uh, sensation and you have access to an arousal, something that sparks an instant mood change in you and that mood change uh, feels really good. Um, and then uh, as you grow older and you're introduced into self-pleasure and all of that, all of a sudden, you can take a, a very uh, nice young man who's on the right path, doing all the right things, and instantly, or within a very short length of time, uh, this, this young boy can be literally, uh, you could say, if we don't want to use the word addiction, we could say uh, a compulsive user of this mood-altering, mind-altering experience. And I got to tell you, it is um, just as addictive as as any other drug because when that experience happens, dopamine has a spike in the brain, and so it's it's not an emotional kind of uh, dependency or habit or whatever. It is a physiological dependency, uh, or you could say even addiction, because there's a chemical change in the brain. So um, a, a guy want if he's not restricted on the phones, computers, and all this, rather than finding an old magazine in a in a back alley or something, he literally has access to millions and millions of the most perverted pictures and and the most objectifying, demeaning uh, videos and uh, scenarios uh, with women in it. That it's it it is just devastating what it does to his mind and his heart, his spirit and soul. One of the things I didn't realize that you just said is, you know, even as a pediatrician who's been doing this a long time, I was under the impression that boys and men 
became addicted because of the physiologic pleasure, not necessarily mood altering. So you're really saying it's it's a dual addiction in a way. Well, it, it actually gets worse than that, Meg. As a pediatrician, um, you know of, of this wonderful bonding hormone, oxytocin, mm-hmm. that a mother uh, secretes when she's nursing. And, um, you know, it fills her and then fills her baby. And, and it's just, it's like a supernatural uh, hormone, I think, from God, this bonding hormone. And, you know, if you go back to cave woman days, we can imagine a cave woman. Um, she's nursing her child. She's bonded to her sweet baby. But there's another property that oxytocin has, and that is um, the more bonded you are to your baby, the more aggressive you are to anything that threatens what you're bonded to. So when the uh, mountain lion roars outside the cave, uh, you know, she will, rather than let that lion come in and hurt her baby, she will go out there and she will attack that mountain lion with a vengeance because uh, she's got supernatural aggression against it to protect what she's bonded to. All right. So when a man or young boy has a sexual experience with pornography, we know that uh, when we have a sexual experience, um, that produces oxytocin in us. It's a supernatural bonding hormone that brings us, men and women, uh, together. And it's that feeling of of well-being after we have uh, been sexual in, in our marriage. Well, if you have a sexual experience with like a pornographic video or whatever, you, you will have oxytocin streaming through your bloodstream. You bond to the pornography. So that does two things. One, I'm bonded to it. And and so it's another level of dependency, devotion, addiction. But I'm aggressive toward anything that's a threat to it. If I'm a young person, the threat is my mother, probably more than anything. If I'm a married man, the threat is my wife. And so I don't understand. Let's just let's go with the marriage scenario and then we'll get to the, the teenager. I don't understand as a man, what is this? Six months ago, before I was using pornography, I was in love with my wife. She's the greatest thing ever. Now I can't stand to be around her. And I don't understand what has happened to us or to me. Well, here's what happened. You, 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 you're aggressively uh, against her because she's a threat to what you're bonded to. And if you're a young man, you don't want to be found out. You're living in shame. And your parents may destroy this thing that you're bonded to. So uh, it is so um, it's so insidious, but it's it it totally engulfs every area of your development as a teenager uh, from a standpoint of yes, there's a physiological experience, but yes, there is emotional, uh, and and there is even this oxytocin bonding experience that goes on. And, and when we wrote Every Man's Battle 20 years ago, we didn't know any of this. But to me, over the years, that one piece there has helped me understand how pornography can so destroy development and so destroy a marriage in a very, very short length of time. 
So are you saying if a man is involved in pornography regularly and he gets bonded to the pornography and he goes and has a sexual encounter with his wife, he's disappointed in that or he doesn't have the oxytocin or um, I'm just trying to understand what what the difference is between him being sexually satisfied through pornography versus being sexually satisfied through his wife. Can that not be at the same time? Well, um, the first time, you know, let's say um, he uses pornography and then later uh, that day, um, the, his wife, they're sexually intimate. That's probably not going to be a big problem, but it will be. And, you know, I, I think probably the most uh, glaring example of what happens is three years ago, Time Magazine had a cover story on adolescent young men stopping the use of pornography. And, you know, it it wasn't because uh, they found Jesus or they, you know, they wanted a deeper spiritual life. They quit pornography because the more into pornography they got, they got the less they were able to be sexual mm-hmm. with their girlfriend. Mm-hmm. So what what this what pornog you, you call it the pornified male, and the pornified male when when that person starts using pornography, it's the beginning of total objectification and depersonalization uh, of a woman. So a guy, uh, and this is some of the research that we discovered later on, a guy can can be uh, totally sexually dysfunction. No, or, or have erectile dysfunction with a female, and eighty per six, eighty six percent of the time uh, can be functional with pornography. Why is that? Because it becomes such an instant, quick fix, depersonalized. It destroys what the sexual intimacy experience was meant to be, and so get the, there's just something that happens in the the male that shuts down with a real live woman, mm-hmm. but because of all of the, the uh, increased adrenaline, because it's forbidden, it's secretive, uh, it's dirty, uh, and it's so extreme, now the only thing that arouses the guy is more and, and sicker and more perverse pornography, a real live naked woman that was so fantastic and wonderful at one point in his life. Now, that amazing gift from God just doesn't do it for him because he's now become the pornified man. Parents, I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Steve Arterburn. We need to take a quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with more of this conversation. TeenCounseling.com connects your 13 to 19 year old with a licensed professional counselor right where they spend most of their time on their smartphone. The process starts by completing a short questionnaire to help them understand your relationship with your teen and their specific needs. You'll then be matched with a skilled therapist in TeenCounseling.com's network of specialists who will be available to start communicating within 24 hours. You'll have the opportunity to review their credentials and directly communicate with a counselor to make sure it's a good fit. 
Then once you approve, the counselor and your teen will begin communicating directly. Teen Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so it's easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's also more affordable than traditional counseling, and financial aid is available. So visit teencounseling.com slash Meg and help your teen take charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Parenting Great Kids with Dr. Meg Meeker listeners can get 10% off your first month at teencounseling.com slash Meg. As men or boys move further down in this spiral, which as I hear you describe it, makes me feel kind of sick. Do they feel sick as well? Or do they feel more satisfied? Because as they move from pornography, you know, with one woman on the screen, and then two women on the screen, and then a younger girl on the screen, is there something inside of them that says, this is bad, I better stop? Or does it feel more satisfying? Well, I think uh, there are two different scenarios. I think you've got um, folks raised in good homes, and they feel a tremendous amount of uh, shame over it, and they can't stop. But more recently, in the past uh, couple of decades, you've you've really got an acceptance of it, both uh, in males and females, that this is just what people do. And so they're not ashamed of it. And they don't think it's harmful. They don't understand that some of the other things that they're seeing in their life are a result of it because they just don't have a reference. Nobody's brought them up to, be, to help them understand this isn't good. And uh, it'll be later that, you know, they'll discover, wow, I'm really into something uh, that is a counterfeit. It's a cheap substitute. But that'll take a while for someone that doesn't really have uh, values. And, you know, Hugh Hefner tried to convince the world through Playboy that this is really what a man is mm-hmm. and this is what a man does. And he, he did a very good job uh, starting in the 50s of convincing folks that this soft porn thing that he was peddling wasn't that bad. Right. But it really was. It you know, it was the gateway drug to everything perverse. And everything that he said that this way of life um, would do for you, people since his death have said he was just the exact opposite. He um, uh, was sexually dysfunctional. He was a horrible um, sexual partner is what they said. And there was nothing great about him in the area where a lot of people uh, held him up as the as the epitome of greatness in in manhood and sec- and male sexuality. Mm-hmm. So every here here's you just come back to it. God is so smart. I mean, when the when the Bible tells us, "Hey, this sex thing is really dangerous. Let's just keep it in marriage, or, or it's going to explode, and it's it's going to do a lot of damage." Boy. I've just, and there's nothing in my life that has said to me, oh, that's just a bunch of old fashioned talk, or oh, that was for then and not for now. The Bible was true then and it's true today that we are, we are to preserve this uh, for marriage. And, you know, 
Meg, if you know my story, you know that I was very promiscuous. And I, I'm not blaming it on early exposure to pornography, but it was a huge part of that where I objectified women. And in my promiscuity uh, in college, I got a girl pregnant. Now, if a woman is an object to you, if you objectify women, if she's pregnant, it's just another object inside mm. of her. And so you just, you know, you don't even think about, oh, wait, this could be a human, a child and all. And, and I pressured her uh, to have an abortion. It's the most shameful thing of my whole life. And, and I would really uh, make the case that the seeds of that pressuring began at age four being exposed to pornography. I'm not blaming it all on that, but I'm telling you, it laid a foundation to when I needed to see what was in the womb as a human being and, and my child, I didn't see it that way. So pornography and promiscuity as you get older sort of hardens you and hardens you and desensitizes you to the point where you really have difficulties seeing women or I guess if you're in a homosexual relationship, you know, men to men as really another lovely, sensitive, um, beautiful human being. Yes. And, you know, it, it is, it becomes a one dimensional uh, experience with women. And what happens is a guy is, he's married and he finds himself either the demanding, uh, angry, controlling dictator who um, is in control of her and she becomes the source of sexual pleasure whenever he wants to, or the more passive male, uh, everything becomes a manipulation with an outcome. And it's really uh, such, you know, when we work with couples, um, when we start getting them to relate without the desire of some outcome, it's a totally different experience. Hmm. But the pornified man, it's all about outcome. And it really is the relationship becomes so uh, manipulative, even though it's, it's very difficult for him or her to see it that way in the beginning. So how does the passive man, what does he want as outcome? Because I also often hear, you know, parents say, well, my, you know, my 18 year old son is so quiet and so good and kind and everything, the, the passive male, how are they manipulating and, and what are they wanting? Well, the passive male in the marriage, he is, is, uh, who is pornified. He's seeing this, this partner as somebody that is there for his sexual gratification. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if he's, um, you know, being nice and wonderful, it's not because she deserves a man to be kind, considerate, nice and wonderful. He has a, an end point here uh, that has sexual gratification there. Now, so, so here's the thing. It becomes the agenda rather than the natural result of heart-to-heart -heart and soul connection. 
and it it cheapens sex inside of marriage. You know, there, I mean, we it, it's really tragic because I think uh, sometimes in the community I'm in, which is the conservative Christian community, uh, we have more people getting this wrong than right, and and they just they just see okay, we're married now, and and so sex is something that. Uh, I should be able to ask for and have all the time. And they miss what it's like when a couple really uh, has this heart-to-heart intimacy. Uh, when, you know, we, we talk about, my wife and I talk about this place that we work so hard to get uh, called attunement, you know, where it's almost like um, you're Bluetoothing each other, that <laughs> you're in you're in tune. you and and as a result of that, you're both wanting uh, to experience each other and be as close to each other as you possibly can. And that's you know that I think is what God intended for sexual intimacy to be in a marriage. And we're so far from that, we we lose that, and it just becomes all about well, is she going to withhold sex from him or not, um, or um, is she, is he going to do that with her? Is he going to withdraw and not be available to her uh, at all? And so it all becomes this this physical act thing rather than the culmination of two people who love each other, who are serving each other. And, you know, one of the most powerful uh, verses in the Bible uh, says that we need to submit to each other. Uh, I, I just think... When you've got two people submitting to each other, where you don't have a dictator-doormat relationship, you have the possibility for a true uh, attunement and intimacy in marriage, and then the sexual experience becomes something that I think people hope for, but at some point, they stop believing it's true. And that's where I want to get the... I don't want to people to stop using pornography. That <laughs> sounds weird. Mm-hmm. But it, if I just tell you about how bad pornography is, and I don't tell you uh, how good the other part can be, mm-hmm. and I don't tell you how to get there, then all I've done is produce some shame in your life. Right, right. And I there's so that. much shame around pornography anyway. Just in response to your uh, talking about adult couples being attuned to one another, a Bluetooth thing, I really want to uh, encourage women and, and men who are have been married 5, 10, 15 years going, well, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. I would give a plug for marital longevity. You know, my husband and I have been married 38 years, and I can tell you, I, I really understand what you're talking about, but it takes time and it takes work. It doesn't happen in the first five years of your marriage. No, it doesn't. Nope. Yeah, and I and I think that, on some level, a lot of our listeners will want what you're talking about and sort of understand what you're talking about, but say, that's never going to happen. Well, it's never going to happen if you don't hang in there long enough, you don't work with each other, you're not honest with each other. Um, so I, I just wanted to encourage uh, younger couples out there because I think they'd say, well, you know, that's never, that's never going to happen with me. I have actually heard, I don't know if it's a trend, but I've had some conversations with some 20-something-year-old men who are married who 
really believe, I think there was an actor, somebody famous who said, um, I find pornography so satisfying that my hu- my wife and I have decided we're going to have our sexual needs met through pornography and just leave each other alone. And he really believed that was okay in his life. I think that in our culture, we, we've, we've come to see teenage boys as the only thing they are is a shell with this sexual, this animalistic sexual drive that needs to be satisfied, that that's good and that's okay. And that as they get older, they're so sexually driven that immersion in pornography or promiscuity is okay because that's what guys do. And they're almost seems in in some circles to be a cultural acceptance of this and sort of a surrender to, you know, if pornography is what fulfills this man, I should just let it go. Well, I know you've just described what you say to that, but if there are parents out there who think, you know what, look, it's really okay. Pornography is helping my son. It's not going to lead anywhere bad. Describe to those parents a little bit further, if you can, what their sons are going to miss out on if the parents don't try in some way, in a healthy way, to help him. Yeah, and by the way, the actor uh, simply said out loud what's happening in so many marriages um, that literally... Uh, she has given up on any kind of a rewarding experience. In fact, it, many times she doesn't even want to be around the guy mm-hmm. sexually anymore because it's just so sick and, and perverted. And so um, a lot of times, you know, the first five years of the marriage is adjusting to the fact that um, his pornography problem uh, didn't get fixed when they got married, which is kind of what he's thinking. I won't need this stuff anymore. And then he gets more into it. But the teenager, when you um, say in your mind, oh, well, uh, you know, every every kid's doing this. This is what normal uh, adolescents do. You truly are feeding into. And it's just in the Me Too movement. It's one of the strangest things ever that we can be saying, hey, wait a second. Don't treat women uh, this way. And yet the pornography industry is the most direct link you or your son uh, or someone in your family will have to sex trafficking. 87% of those involved don't want to do that. And they wouldn't if they had another way of being involved. And, and listen, when you talk about pornography, you might be thinking of a Playboy centerfold. That is not the pornography uh, that is out there today. And I, you can, I don't even want to talk about how horrible it is. But the pornography today that you're saying, well, just maybe it's okay if he uh, looks at this. He will find child pornography. He will find bestiality. And he will find women being filmed in filth, and uh, the most degrading practices you could possibly imagine. And you're a woman. You're the mom. And that's how he's going to eventually come to see you. 
and he's going to come to see his future wife in that way. So we, no one would say, um, you know, let me just go ahead and um, have my son um, back up the car and, and fill his room with carbon monoxide and kill portions of his brain every day. You wouldn't do that. But you are killing or allowing him to kill parts of his brain that he needs to be a healthy, vital um, person in, in life and in marriage and in relating to all sorts of women. So don't um, feed into the world or, or some kind of thinking. And, and by the way, we're talking about young men. My wife facilitates a group at our church for women with sexual integrity problems. And uh, many of these women are just as hooked on pornography as the men uh, are. And we just never dreamed that we'd see this 20 years ago, but it's real for them. So it's not just a young male uh, in the bedroom problem. It's your daughter also that you have to protect her because there are guys that want uh, and they're exposing uh, teenage girls to pornography. They want them involved with it too because they want them in with them to play out the things that they show them in the videos uh, that they're watching. So they send it to them and then it produces something inside, breaks through a lot of barriers inside the young teenage girl and pretty soon she's got the same kind of problem. It's really a form of sexual abuse. Absolutely, no question. And then you've got yeah. then you've got a generation, or a certain percent of the generation of, of women, who are sexually abused, and then all of the problems that stem from that, which are enormous. I'm not even talking about the the women, children who are in these films and doing this. I mean, yeah. we're just we're killing we're killing off young people. Now on to my points to ponder. One. Pay close attention to what your son may be watching on the internet. You know, if you have a teen son, it can be hard to find what he's looking at. Some parents feel that they're violating a son's trust or crossing boundaries that they shouldn't be crossing if they go and look at what their son has been looking at. First of all, tracking what your son has been looking at has nothing to do with trust. You can trust your son, but looking at pornography is a whole different ballgame because boys can be so quickly addicted and that's harmful to them. So really, you're helping your son keep from going downhill. This is a safety issue and boys quickly become addicted to porn. If your son were drinking alcohol, you'd want to know it. What's the same thing with porn? You're not crossing boundaries. Again, it's a safety issue, not a simple conversation he's having with his buddies. When it comes to serious behaviors, secrets only lead to destruction. Two, confront the subject. Many parents are afraid they'll insult their sons if they talk about porn or they may be simply embarrassed, both parents and son. The best way to approach this subject is to keep it impersonal with a statement like, I know that porn is pervasive in our society and I know it can be really destructive to men emotionally and in their relationships. Have you seen this to be a problem with your friends? How do you think they handle it? Has it ever pulled you in unexpectedly? The point is, keep your son off of the defensive and let him know you are willing to hear whatever he has to say. You're not going to jump all over him. Three, get 
help if he's hooked. There are many resources to help you and your son if you find out he's using pornography regularly. Steve Arterburn's New Life Clinics are a great resource. If you call them, they'll give you immediate guidance. I'll give you the number at the end of the broadcast. Remember, even if you think your son is using it occasionally, he's probably using it more frequently than you think. So make the first phone call. Let's get social. All right, parents, you know that I want to hear from you and interact with you. You can connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MegMeekerMD. Or if you have a question, send it to AskMeg at MegMeekerMD.com. Today, I have a question from Desiree. Hello, Dr. Meg. I have a 14-year-old daughter that has been through trauma. I have her in therapy, but she's belligerent, curses at me, and is disrespectful. She's angry. I try not to feed into that anger by listening and not reacting, but it's really hard. How do I handle her? Well, Desiree, I really appreciate your question. Um, you, The good thing is you know where your daughter's belligerence is coming from. Um, she acts out. It will really help you if you refuse to take her behavior personally. So when she acts out, pretend she's your neighbor's daughter. This sounds silly, but it can help you distance yourself from her so that you can react in a less emotional way. Here's what I would do. First, tell yourself this is really hard for you and find a friend or two who will be your sounding board. When your daughter is angry and belligerent, you need someone to talk to, to to vent about it. If you don't, you're going to take it out on your daughter. Second, when your daughter's calm, say something like, you know, honey, being mad about whatever she's mad about is normal and healthy. I understand and I know your anger hurts and it will get better. But it's important to know, though, that in our family, don't say you, that in our family, when you're mad, there's things we can't do. And list those things like say certain words, ru- ruin things around the house or whatever else she's doing. Then tell her that it's too bad. But if she is angry, says hurtful things, um, ruins stuff around your house, or is just out of control, that you will have to impose consequences. Take her cell phone away for a week, her iPad, whatever it is, you don't take it away just for a day or two, you take it away for a week. She is being disrespectful, and when you allow her to continue to act this way, it's cruel to her. It will make her more miserable. So you need to be really firm here and set boundaries. Setting boundaries is not mean. It helps her be happier. Once you set the boundaries, say, you know, you're getting more mature and I know that you can do this. Last year, you couldn't control the words that came out of your mouth or how violent you acted, but I know that you can now because you're getting older. I really don't want to have to take your phone away, so I hope you don't put me in a situation where I will have to. And this puts a responsibility on her shoulders. My friend Henry Cloud taught me this, and he wrote an excellent book called boundaries. You need to read it. Finally, hang on. Your daughter will grow and mature, and this is tough time for both of you. Don't get discouraged. It'll pass if you just stay steady and let her know you aren't going anywhere. She's doing everything she can to push you away, but let her know you're not going anywhere. You can do this. My next question is from Emily. Dr. Meeker, my husband and I have a question. 
You mentioned the importance of dads having one-on-one time with their children. We have two-and-a-half-year-old twin boys. We've tried doing one-on-one time, but they always want to be together. It's very hard to leave one and take the other. Would you recommend going by their cues and just take both of them or push for one-on-one time? Hey, Emily, what a great question. At this age, let the kids go together. Twins have a bond that I believe is unusual um, for other siblings. Twins typically want to do things together. So you never want to break that up unless they're willing to do that. So right now, have your husband take both of them together and don't worry about it. As they get older, they'll give you cues as to whether they want alone time with dad or not. But thank your husband so much for his willingness to be a really good dad and take them out and do things together. Parents, you know I love answering your questions, so keep sending them in to me. You can email me any question to ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. Again, ask Meg at megmeekermd.com. I want to thank my guest, Steve Arterburn, for joining me on the show today. To find out more about Steve and the fabulous work he does, go to stevearterburn.com. There you can read his latest blogs or purchase one of his books. If you found that this podcast was helpful, read Every Man's Battle. You may want to read it for your husband, for your son, or maybe your husband needs to read it. If you'd like to contact New Life Clinics, you can call 1-800-NEW-LIFE. That's 1-800-639-5433. They also have a clinic in Lake Forest, California. So if you're out west, call 949-494-8383. Again, that's 949-494-8383. So now let's recap my points to ponder. One, pay close attention to what your son's watching on the internet. Two, confront the subject. And three, Get help if he's hooked. So until next time, parents, always remember that great kids are raised, not born. Hey, this is Bobby, producer of Meg Meeker's Parenting Great Kids podcast. Thanks for listening. And because of your dedication to raising great kids, Dr. Meg's Parenting Revolution has grown to over 3 million downloads. Head on over to Facebook and Twitter and follow at Meg Meeker MD and check out what's new at MegMeeker.com. And while you're there, sign up for the newsletter to stay updated and get information about giveaways. Don't forget to share the podcast with other parents. Subscribe so you won't miss anything and leave us a review so we know how we're doing. 